Hello, Untap listeners. This is Panel. In just a moment, you're going to hear a conversation between me and P. Carl of Emerson College and HowlRound. Before that begins, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you to Kevin Landis for helping to set up this conversation. Thanks, Kevin. Welcome, podcast listeners. This is Panel. I am very fortunate to be joined by P. Carl on this special edition of the podcast. Carl is co-artistic director of Arts Emerson at Emerson College, which develops and produces theater projects, especially projects that foster personal and political transformation. And he is a distinguished artist in residence on the Emerson faculty and a well-known speaker on theater practice and theory. If you don't know P. Carl uh, from his work at Emerson, you certainly know him by virtue of his work at HowlRound, of which he is the director and a co-founder. HowlRound is a knowledge commons that features online resource sharing and facilitates in-person gatherings. And in my mind, it's one of the most important publications in theater today. So thank you for being here, Carl. Welcome to On Tap. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So recently on this podcast, my my co-hosts and I had a a conversation about theater and ethics. We had a segment on um, the ethics of casting, specifically as it related to uh, race and diversity in academic theater in college and um, university theater productions. And we wanted to reach out to you to see if you would join in a conversation with me about uh, gender and casting specifically. And this is partly because of the many terrific essays that are on HowlRound having to do with gender and casting and specifically trans casting. I'm thinking of um, essays written by Meg Green um, on gender responsive casting and M.G. Kaufman on the politics of trans casting, uh, but there are many, including um, essays that you yourself have written. Um, and because you work at Emerson, we knew that you would have some perspectives on um, the specific uh, ways that producing theater in academic contests or contexts comes to bear on questions of gender and representation. So. There's a sort of broad umbrella question for this conversation, which has to do, I guess you could say that question is, what are the ethics of gender and casting specifically in academic theater? Um, But I thought we'd start maybe with a less daunting question. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that has to do with uh, the show Transparent on Amazon and specifically um, the moment at the Emmys in September when Jeffrey Tambor accepted uh, an Emmy for, I think it was best lead actor in a um, comedy series. Mm -hmm. And in his acceptance speech, he said that, uh, and I quote, I would not be unhappy were I the last cisgender male to play a transgender female. So I wondered if I could just get your reaction to that moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's actually kind of an amazing moment. And uh, I'd heard um, Jill Soloway, the creator of the program, actually on a, on a NPR, right maybe before or after he said that, uh, talking about um, the fact that she recognizes that that show is, you know, participating in what she would call trans face. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, and so I think there's a real uh, awareness of, 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 of 
just what's happened even since she's conceived of that show, uh, what's happened around um, uh, trans casting, around uh, just the conversation around transgender uh, politics and the culture, and uh, that we've we've actually moved so quickly. I, I, I kind of harken back to, um, you know, the uh, early to mid-90s when um, uh, Tom Hanks played a gay man with AIDS uh, in Philadelphia, uh, that this is a well-known um, way of um, Hollywood to bring, uh, uh, you know, issues of the culture to the fore by taking a, a, a fairly well-known actor uh, and putting them in a role of um, playing, uh, in that time, it was a gay person, and now in, you know, in uh, 2000, whenever trans uh, parents started, 2014, 15, uh, putting in a, a cis actor in a trans role. This is often uh, one of the ways that um, visibility in a community that's been, you know, underrepresented on stage or in television uh, becomes represented. Um, you know, in the 90s, you wasn't, a, it was, I'm not sure it's okay now to be an out gay person in Hollywood, but it certainly wasn't uh, then. And so Tom Hanks could take that risk in a way that another actor couldn't, um, and uh, or, or, or wasn't allowed, probably. And uh, so I feel like that um, that we've moved so quickly to recognize how important it is to get uh, trans representation uh, and to have trans actors playing trans parts uh, or to have non-binary actors or gender queer actors. I think there's a you know a spectrum here that um, is at play and um, uh, that um, that's a kind of critical piece of how uh, trans people will be. Um, you know, depathologized uh, mm -hmm. in uh, the culture. I mean, it's a, a um, transgender uh, is still considered um, a diagnosis of sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I don't know that uh, myself and my trans friend thinks, think of ourselves as uh, diagnosable in that way. And so, um, uh, so I feel like uh, this is, uh, you know, transparent is, is such a, um, I, I think, in, you know, bringing a lot of trans actors already to the fore and the idea that the lead would be a trans person uh, moving forward um, is exactly as it as it should be. And um, good on Jeffrey Tambor for saying so. So I thought it was a really significant moment. And, you know, in, in thinking about this topic, it occurs to me that, you know, gender has a lot of different contours to it. Um, and that in terms of how casting and representation and the politics, as you mentioned, of uh, depathologization, which is a mouthful, but that the, yes. you know, the sort of visibility it perhaps is a really key concept in, in thinking about why one should prefer to give um, roles written for trans people or trans roles to trans actors. But part of this conversation, part of why I think it's interesting is that there is a lot of complexity. You know, if you start with, say, a kind of, you know, reasonable ethical principle, such as roles written for persons of a certain gender or roles of a certain gender should be played by actors of the same gender, in a way, that's a totally reasonable thought. And mm -hmm. it's comparable to, I think, a principle that is increasingly accepted, though, of course, not um, uh, followed through on to a reasonable degree um, with regarding to uh, regarding um, race and casting, right? That you shouldn't you shouldn't settle for, you know, cross racial imitation. Um, you should find actors to play the roles that are written for the um, um, uh, roles written for people of that identity. Um, but I thought maybe we could start by sort of filling in why we think that's true, because in other um, 
what would be the word in gen- when when you're thinking about gender um, in more general terms? There's a long history in theater of you know cross gender casting of mm-hmm. women playing male roles. I think of uh, Sarah Bernhardt playing Hamlet. You know, a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, and there are many many examples. You know, you talk about Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, but to speak about just the the gender of uh, um, you know of, of gay gender versus straight gender, I think people rarely comment or object when a, a gay actor is cast to play a straight role, or even vice versa. And so it seems to me that perhaps visibility functions differently in the case of trans versus cisgender. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think there's some truth to that. I also think, um, uh, you know, there is a. Um, I suppose there's, you know, these are complicated conversations. But I think the issue for, um, you know, trans identity is, um, it, it's such an intrinsic part of a person's identity, uh, and I think that intrinsic nature, um, uh, not not unlike race being an intrinsic part of a person's identity, um, uh, I think it's very hard. Uh, I, I mean, sexuality is an intrinsic part of some people's identity, but also people explore sexuality. Um, And I think uh, people don't really explore, um, uh, you know, they don't really explore changing genders, for example. They might Mm -hmm. explore gender queerness. I mean, there's a spectrum of what you explore, but but I think these kinds of... um, uh, I, I think so much of um, the struggle of trans identity to be understood as a kind of, uh, uh, you know, a core part of, of, of a person, uh, who a person is, and how does somebody inhabit that body that is not their own body and do that with any kind of authenticity, I think is, is, a, is, is the question we're asking. And, but, but we're also asking it in a cultural moment where, as you point out rightly, visibility is so key. I mean, transgender um, is, a, is an identity that um, uh, puts people at incredible risk. Uh, we're at a point where visibility is actually um, going to be life-saving to people. Like it's kind of a life and death issue. So this is why visibility matters so much. Um, you know, I uh, will say I'm a um, as I as far as I know, I'm the only out, uh, which doesn't mean I'm the only trans person, but I'm the only out trans person on the staff or the faculty here at Emerson College. So the only person who identifies that way publicly, and. Um, I can't tell you what that visibility means to people who are trying to sort that out for themselves. I'm not the only person on the campus sorting that out. Uh, There are a number of people. And so visibility, um, the idea that people have lives um, and uh, have careers and jobs and can live as a transgender person is, um, is one of the it's one of the issues of our cultural moment. And so uh, believing that we can actually have actors in parts um, who are trans, I think is is just uh, a key part. I mean, it's one of the ways that we know we exist, right? We, we know mm-hmm. we exist because we get reflected back, that we get to see ourselves in the mirror of the culture. And if we never see ourselves in the mirror of the culture, um, it's hard to believe that there's space for us to exist. And so I think that's, um, just a, a real critical piece to why uh, Jeffrey Tambor saying what he's saying, why people are 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 really um, insisting now that um, trans parts be inhabited by um, people that represent somewhere on that trans uh, spectrum, um, and I and I feel like uh, uh, that um, uh, I feel like that urgency. Um, 
is a challenge to colleges and universities on the one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here at Emerson College, I, I, I know you're in a college setting, I mean, there are, the, the, this idea of the gender binary is starting to become passe for the generation of uh, uh, college students that I'm working with, and in fact, I always have to laugh because when I talk about being trans to my students, I might as well say I um, cut my hair yesterday or, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's so not surprising or it doesn't, they don't stumble. They don't, the, they never mess up the pronouns. They, you know, they don't, I mean, yeah. it's kind of amazing. If you say to somebody over 40 or 50, you know, there's a complete and total meltdown of their reality. And so I feel like the young people that I'm seeing and a lot of them are, are exploring their, um, where they are in that spectrum of gender queerness or uh, mm -hmm. non-binary or, uh, for some people, um, you know, uh, uh, transgender in a more um, living, in a, um, you know, living in a, what their sense of their true sex is. And so I feel like um, there's so much opportunity on college campuses for us to explore that with young people who are in the process of sorting those things out. Yeah, I think that um, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're argument in favor of visibility and its life or death consequences is a really good one to hear. I think that in in theater studies and in, you know, educational contexts, I think we can be very abstract about the way we think about representation and that, you know, I, I, I've, I have found myself in casting situations or, you know, in class exercises where I want to put a scene on its feet with the students in the room. And it's very easy to say, eh, it makes no difference, you know, that, every, you know, mm -hmm. all the all the men can play women, the women can play men that I can forget about the student's gender for a moment. But perhaps there are ethical obligations that rise above um, intellectualizing gender yeah. in theater. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, and, and I think trans identity is particularly um, fragile that way. Not not fragile as an, I mean, but fragile in those circumstances in the world of um, the kind of um, uh, uh, the kinds of um, uh, discrimination that happen. I mean, there there isn't always an assumption. There there's an obsession. We have a cultural obsession with gendering people, uh, and um, uh, and 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 so uh, and if you you know just go to a restaurant and order food and see how many times you get called sir or mm -hmm. ma'am, you know, depending on, you know, what you, what box you think you're in. And so that obsession is actually, it's quite brutal uh, for a trans person. It's the kind of thing mm -hmm. that it, as a cis person, you would never notice that you just got called sir 37 times. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you when uh, somebody uh, uh, misgenders me with ma'am, uh, it's like a slap in the face, right? And so it's a very different um, experience. And so even in the classroom setting, you know, you have to be con considering what it means for the, 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 the trans folks uh, or the uh, non-binary folks in a classroom, what it means not to be seen, right? Uh, and I think that um, um, erasure of trans identity, I, I love uh, Janet Mock uh, is a trans woman who's written you know, extensively um, about it and has a book, uh, Redefining Realness. And she has a very simple, um, you know, simple little quote, but not, you know, not um, all men have uh, penises and not all women have vaginas, right? And so the assumptions we make about gender are so, um, 
uh, are so often misguided, and and even our assumption, for example, I, I feel this way for um, I feel particularly for trans, um, you know, uh, 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 women. This is true. Um, if, if you're a trans woman, but you're not dressing hyper femme in some way, um, that you you know that that somehow delegitimizes your transness. And there are you know there are people walking around with you know facial hair and uh, presenting uh, in the way that we would call tr typically male who absolutely feel they're in a female body and mm -hmm. uh, you know and so I think that makes it um, a particularly uh, it makes it particularly complicated in a classroom setting because um, uh, we are always making assumptions and we're um, we, we may not know how often we're wrong that's a that's a very good point thank you for saying that um, you know, we have talked about the kind of notion that one casts a role of a certain gender with a person um, that matches that gender. There are also, you know, all sorts of different ways. There, there are actually, you know, not ju just not that many um, theatrical roles explicitly for transgender people mm -hmm. at the moment. I think that's safe to say, though there are um, plays being written. Um, yes, yeah, but, it's happening. <laughs> um, but in a sort of landscape of um, binary uh, gender uh, characters, the it would seem to be important to, um, uh, you know, want to match a trans actor to uh, the the gender that they identify with in a play, as opposed to, you know, saying you, whatever you, gender you feel that you are, play this mm -hmm. role. Um, but to, you know, respect the, the, the chosen gender, if that's the correct way to think about it, or the, mm -hmm. the, the sort of uh, gender that is resulting from the transition. Um, one thing you know one thing that occurs to me though is that we we are dealing with young people in our classrooms and in our um, academic productions you know you say that um, people don't explore transitioning the way that they might explore sexuality or you know whether they're you know, attracted to men or women. Um, but I imagine that at the, you know, at, at college age, a lot of people might be um, considering transitioning or questioning mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. their identity mm -hmm. is. You know, if you have a student who you know, um, who's, uh, of, uh, whose gender you might not be certain about, um, what do you think that professors uh, should think about or, 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 or do in cases where they might be asked to put that student in a role? Yeah, I, I mean, it's such a great question. I, I mean, one is uh, one is just a kind of side note, which I think is uh, sometimes you know the plays will tell you how they want the you know the author of the play will tell you how they want it cast. So that is one you know I, I've certainly seen that with um, uh, and 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 had many conversations with playwrights of color who you know. Uh, some of whom will insist that a play be cast in a particular way um, around race, and others who will not insist that. Right. So, um, so part of it is following, you know, the where the writer sits in some of these questions. I think in terms of the student, it's really interesting. I mean, as an actor. Um, we do want actors to be able to explore uh, different um, roles and identities, and we want there to be some kind of freedom for that. So part of that freedom is is given or taken away, depending on I think what the script calls for or doesn't call for, right? So there's some freedom in in that way. But I think for um, you know I know um, a number of young uh, trans actors, and 
they um, are playing uh, both, uh, you know, they're playing in both sexes, right? Uh, the, um, and they, um, they want to have as many opportunities as possible. And part of the transitioning question for them uh, is um, uh, really uh, influenced by if what will happen uh, if they decide to transition, how will they act in the middle of that, tra- you know, like w- what will mm-hmm. be taken away from them and what will be handed to them, right? And so I feel like in some ways, I think it's really incumbent upon, um, uh, I, I think it's incumbent upon people who are casting to have real conversations with those young performers about, you know, what are the roles they want to explore, where is their um, uh, comfort level, um, and, uh, um, and and some don't want to be pinned in one in one side of the binary. Others, I think, uh, want to uh, live, um, you know, according to what they feel is their essential sex. And uh, and so I think it is on a, a spectrum of people are going to choose different things, but I think these are actually real conversations now uh, we have to have with uh, young um, uh, non-binary actors around what they, what they, where they feel comfortable. I mean, I know a young non-binary actor who um, is very much more on the um, uh, uh, F to M spectrum, and uh, you know goes for a day job to uh, and wears a petticoat um, to you know uh, play a, a colonial figure in Boston, right? Um, because uh, that's uh, how um, uh, that person pays their bills, uh, and so uh, and that's a choice they get to make. right and uh uh and um that's a choice they get to make and it's a choice that for this moment in time they're they're making and Mm -hmm. and so i think that i I think that's but i think it's a much more it has to be a much more robust conversation than um and we actually can't make any uh again i think the biggest thing is not to make any uh kinds of assumptions um which uh casting um you know even in the articles that you mentioned at the top you know we think a lot about type um, and how does type fit into um, uh, the non-binary conversation? What's a type? Um, yeah. And, and what are we perpetuating with, you know, our understanding of that word? Yeah. I thought that um, Meg Green's essay on um, gender responsive casting was interesting, partly because she brought up the dynamic of, you know, uh, training for the professional theater world and her own graduate uh, school experience. Um, and she's a, a cisgender woman who was telling a, a story about a sort of teaching moment that she felt like went wrong. But she brought up the fact of how in, you know, having been trained as an actor, she went through a process of essentially asking this, asking the school, asking the market to sort of tell her what kind of woman she was or what kind mm-hmm. of um, type she was so that she could find what she should, you know, what her um, lines of business would be. Mm-hmm. So it seems as though, you know, that might be one area of distinction between the academic world where um, we can consciously take our students' personalities into account and their mm-hmm. own uh, fluidity and and uh, and dynamism and say, look, what would you think about playing, um, you know, Ophelia or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, yeah. in, the, in the professional world, it seems as though there are sort of external pressures that are type making um, that the trans actor will then have to navigate separately. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think, you know, I mean, I think there, there has to be um, more flexibility in teaching um, than there maybe has to be in the professional world. But I think the thing that is being, I think the, the real onus on the 
on the teaching side of things and, and where, where we're, you know, where we're struggling is um, what are our acting programs and our theater programs look like? Um, and if they aren't reflecting the world, right, um, then maybe we should be limited in what kind of shows we uh, um, are able to at least produce. That doesn't mean we can't do scenes in class or, I mean, I think, again, there's also the difference between the classroom and then what you know, is the season of the, the college or the university um, and how we cast inside of, um, you know, hey, shouldn't any classroom, we'd be able to play all kinds of things in a scene. That's sort of one thing. But then what roles can we actually play in a production? And, but I think that um, we're, we're really being pushed uh, at, uh, in theater departments to um, start to reflect the world more if we want to be able to do the plays that are out there that reflect the world, right? So I mm -hmm. think um, there's a real responsibility for us to start getting our programs to look like the world, and, um, and that's going to include uh, transgender people because, um, you know, that... Uh, uh, that uh, um, uh, you know, we're we're in a whole different universe now around um, around um, that identity, um, and, and and the generations that are coming up behind, even the students that we are now seeing. I mean, more and more uh, young people are uh, getting the support they need early on mm -hmm. uh, to actually be able to enter college in uh, in in knowledge of their trans identity. Um, and you know, it's not very long ago where you you just you couldn't even explore that as a young person. So most people were exploring it, you know, if they were lucky at college, if not usually, you know, mm -hmm. long after. So, um, so yeah, we're definitely yeah. in a changed, in a cha very quickly evolving universe around that question. In the, in this classroom setting and imagine that, you know, a theater history class or a class where scene studies are done and you have a, a very small casting pool, um, you may not have the options to always you know, put the um, actor into the into the role that they would feel most comfortable um, playing. Um, I, I wonder if there are things that, you know, professors should think about specifically in those situations. And I guess part of the reason is that my only, personally, my only um, uh, pedagogical experience with a, a transgender student was in a theater history class. Um, and th there wasn't a situation where I ended up sort of putting students into roles and thinking mm -hmm. about it too much. Um, but it also occurred to me, and, and, and as an aside, I just, you know, early on in the class, I just decided to pull the student aside and say, hey, um, uh, are, do you identify as a, a transgender woman? And she said yes. And then that was helpful. You know, it was probably a terribly awkward moment for both of us, <laughs> but it was helpful in terms of me not wondering or having, you know, mm -hmm. questions or uncertainties later. But, you know, it, it does occur to me that um, the theater in general and academic theater uh, historically, I believe, has, a, has been a place where um, queer people have uh, migrated, partly because there's more hospitality to difference, mm -hmm. um, partly because the practices that actually constitute gender, if you you know, accept a kind of uh, Judith Butler reading on what gender is, that those practices can be um, swapped around, altered, played with, and that people can sort of find, make discoveries about themselves in the theater that they wouldn't in other settings. This, you know, could create different dilemmas where on the one hand, you want to understand the gender of the student and what is going to be best um, for teaching them and, and um, uh, respecting the, the gender that they inhabit. 
On the other hand, you might want there to be surprising moments and challenges and, um, you know, me- and sort of messiness in classroom situations. Um, I don't know if you've had, you know, experiences along those lines that have given you thoughts yeah. about that. I mean, I feel like the classroom situation uh, should be messy, and I feel like there should be discomfort, and we should figure out ways to do that sensitively. Uh, and um, uh, and I think there are ways to do it. I think there are ways to do it around um, the right, uh, you know, bringing in um, a, a kind of diversity of material that people are able to look at. I think people should be able to in- inhabit in the classroom identities that are not their own. I mean, I do an exercise around what identities can you write, and I have students write a monologue from an identity not their own. I'm not asking them to publish that monologue. Uh, I'm not. I'm just asking them to sit in in spaces that are not theirs and to see what happens when they do that over you know some period of uh, minutes or you know an hour or something. And and so I think um, we have to be we have to foster in a, a place of um, of discomfort in the classroom. That we have to start to you know we have to hold that, and we have to recognize I think. Um, the historical moment that we're in around power uh, and how power has been used uh, to um, as an exclusive tool in in not only um, you know politics but in the theater as well and it's a tool of exclusivity that um, uh, that we are so far behind on that we have to recognize that um, we're um, you know that, that there's um, some balance between discomfort and recognizing this reality of, of where, um, uh, where power has been sitting and the need um, to, to uh, really listen to what students are saying to us about um, um, the importance of identity and the importance of politics around race and gender. Uh, and I think we have to we, we have to be really listening to that and and we have to figure out how to create classrooms that can explore that in ways that might be uncomfortable um, but also aware that um, the exclusivity has happened for so long that um, uh, we um, the, the burden in, uh, is on us uh, to, to, to turn that around, you know. So with that, um, I just want to say um, thanks on a couple of scores. Carl, um, uh, first of all, thank you for the work that you do on HowlRound. I think it's just a fabulous and unique um, public-facing resource for scholarly and intellectual inquiry. And um, I just wanted to say thank you for that. And also uh, thank you for your time and, and for joining this conversation. Well, and uh, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, taking on such a complicated uh, conversation. And uh, I'm not sure uh, you can ever do this particular conversation justice, but uh, I hope it fuels more, um, more input and dialogue. So thanks so much for having me. On Tap is supported by the Performing Arts Department at Washington University in St. Louis and its master's program in theater and performance studies. You can find us on the web at ontappod.com. Email us at hosts at ontappod.com. You can find us on Facebook, search for On Tap, and on Twitter at ONTAP Podcast.